It might be hard to imagine, but two years ago, Bloomberg was not really in the podcast business. And when we recorded that first benchmark, we really didn't know what we were doing. We just wanted to produce an intelligent, fun show about the global economy. And frankly, we were just happy to make a second episode. And now, here we are, 99 shows later, and boy, what a ride it's been. We've talked about all kinds of things that affect billions of people around the world. We've interviewed everyone from a Nobel Prize winner to a best-selling author, a senator, a hip-hop legend, and even some members of our own families. We've journeyed all over the world to discuss economic issues uh, from Europe, the Middle East, to China, Japan, and, of course, Dan's native Australia. And today we're going to share with you some of our favorite moments from those shows. And we have a couple of special guests, too. The 100th episode of Benchmark starts now. I'm Daniel Moss. I cover global economics for Bloomberg View in New York. And I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg in Washington. So, Dan, how does it feel to hit the big 100? It feels good. And one of the things that feels particularly good about it is the breadth of people and issues we've looked at on the show. And you didn't even mention the chap who developed the surfing algorithm to determine which coastal communities were benefiting the most from the surf industry. You didn't even mention that one. We set out to make a show. We, I think we said right at the start, this was not a program about statistics. Who wants to listen to 15 minutes of statistics? Boring. An economy is a living, breathing thing with people and companies making decisions every day, when to spend, when to save. And I honestly think we've covered such a range of issues that are so far beyond the day-to-day -day of what people think of as economics, like the GDP numbers or the jobs report. We even uh, said the GDP inflation. numbers were rubbish at one point, did we not? We did have an episode all about that. And I, I think that, you know, for me, this has definitely provided a way to to present people with a different side and a more real-world side of things that are actually happening in the world that have a, some connection or that we connect in some way to economics. Well, a few minutes ago, we promised you some special guests. Let's bring in someone who was also there at the beginning, Aki Ito. She left the Benchmark podcast halfway through our run to join the technology news team here at Bloomberg and is co-host of our tech podcast, Decrypted. Aki, should we call it Disrupted? <laughs> That's certainly one option. Um, good to be back, guys. Thanks for coming on, Aki. Why don't you tell us a little more about your show? Yeah, so we, we cover all kinds of different stories from the global technology industry, usually something that's a little bit controversial, you know, kind of unintended consequences, uncomfortable truths, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, we've been going for almost a year now. And I've been looking on with pride. Ah, oh, thank you. But, you know, there is one other person present at the creation, Tori Stilwell. She joins us on the line where she's just finished an internship in the office of the North Carolina Attorney General. She's heading back to do her second year at Yale Law School. Tori. Hey, guys. 
Hey, Tori. It's so great to hear your voice. It's good to be back. How's life after Bloomberg and after the Benchmark podcast? Can it, can it even be called life after Bloomberg? I'm not sure. No. <laughs> well, we're still waiting for that episode you promised us on the best pizza in New Haven. <laughs> we'll have to get the crowd, uh, the whole crew over to New Haven, and you can see for yourself. So that brings me to one of our favorite moments, and Tori, you were instrumental in this. It's the 3 a.m. wake-up call. What's it like to get a call in the middle of the night saying you've won the Nobel Prize. Angus Deaton, who'd just been told he'd won the prize, shared that moment with you. That's right. So you didn't think it was a prank, at least. No, well, I didn't think it was a prank until my friend Thorsten Person said, this is not a prank. And I, thought, <laughs> I never thought it was a prank. Why is he telling me that? It's messing with my head. He's trying to make me think it might be a prank. Right, trying to psych you out. Thorsten <laughs> is a very funny, very playful guy. That's awesome. Let me turn to one that is one of my favorite clips and you know, personally for me was, was a proud moment when we had Ed Duke Booty Fletcher on the show. And for the uninitiated... Duke Booty was the principal author of the seminal hip-hop song, The Message. You know that one that goes... What most people do not know is that he is actually a scholar. He teaches at a university in Savannah, Georgia, and he has a lot of insight into... Uh, into the economy, into markets that really came through in that song, if you listen carefully, and is something that we tapped him to talk about on our show, uh, because I was really piqued in specific by the line in that song referring to double-digit inflation. So clearly, this is somebody who knows what he's talking about. If you look during the Clinton era, when home buying in America was at its highest, there was a certain element of people who still couldn't get a mortgage, who still didn't have enough money for a down payment, and who never got a home. So now, those same people, you know, even though the mortgage rate was low and you could get a mortgage, they didn't have the money for a mortgage. So, you know, that same desolation is still there. Well, we said right at the get-go, this would not be a show about statistics. So, sure enough, when it came to discuss manufacturing, who knew it better than Tori's mom? What was that conversation like? Right now, I think manufacturing is still a part of our lives, and it, and, and it will be for a while. But I think further on down the road, say, like, by the time maybe Tori's 40 or, or so. Oh, God. Maybe. When <laughs> maybe is that exactly? <laughs> when is that exactly? Oh, let's say 15 or 20 years. I'm not going to put that on the spot. We'll say 15 or 20 years down the road. Uh, I, could, I could see it phasing out. Well, Mom. Yes. Thank you. Tori, how's your mom doing, and what did she think of that episode? Deb's doing great. I just got back from Hickory last weekend, actually. She loved the episode, so I think it was really fantastic for her to get to be a part of that with me. I have to say that was one of my favorites, too. And uh, when I began 
uh, on the show as a co-host. I also came up with a similar idea uh, for an episode about truck drivers and what's happening to them in the labor market. Why are they so hard to find? What's happening there? And I went very close to home also for a guest. My uncle, Kenny Hahn, uh, has been a truck driver for over 30 years, and he shared some of his own thoughts on the business. Let's listen to that. Well, the Teamsters have been decimated by uh, by the deregulation from 1980. Um, when I first started driving, there was 162 trucking companies, Teamster trucking companies, and we're down to two now. One of them is the company I work for, ABF. And the other one is Yellow Roadway, which is a combination of two major companies that had to combine because they weren't making any money. And, uh, you know, they can't find drivers anymore to be Teamsters because the pension plans are going into the toilet. And, uh, you know, my, my pension in, in particular has been cut by $1,900 uh, because, they, because the pension is going broke. So even those were the best jobs in trucking, and those jobs stink. So you can only imagine, you know, working for companies like J.B. Hunt that want to work you like a dog and not pay you anything for, for, your, for your efforts, how hard it is for them to find drivers. You know, I think it's great that the Landman family and the Stillwell family were able to contribute. I'm pretty sure the Moss family back in Australia has no clue what I do. You know, Dan, speaking of your family, I do remember a certain moment when you told us all about the origins of your accent. Let's take a listen to that clip. So, Dan, I was scouring the Internet one day when I see this great article about how the Australian accent is a result of, like, you guys drinking too much when you first settled (laughs) Australia. And that you guys speak with just two-thirds capacity, with one-third of your, like, mouth muscles sedentary. There's a couple of versions of that. One is that this is the kind of English that convicts spoke in the late 18th century. The other version is when the first male convict ship arrived a few days before the first female convict ship, they were all going crazy. Then when the first female convict ship arrived to join the first male convict ship, there was this massive, massive night with rum and nothing was ever the same again. It's fair to say that some of the first European Australians were conceived that night. (laughs) That's an incredible story. Well, it just goes to show you that we sometimes went into other topics outside of economics on this show, although you can argue that just about anything has a tangential uh, connection to that subject. But anyway, I thought it would be a good time to bring in a couple people who are usually behind the studio window but are extremely integral to getting this program out. Uh, Alec McCabe is the head of podcast for Bloomberg, and Sarah Patterson is the producer of this podcast. We usually mention their names at the end, but we thought it would be a good idea, too, if they got to pick a couple of their favorite clips on the show. Alec and Sarah, do you want to do you want to share that with us? Hi, everybody. It's Alec. It's a privilege to be in the studio with you guys instead of behind the glass wall. And congratulations, everybody, on the 100th episode. I did want to just introduce a a clip from a show we just did uh, about two months ago, less than two months ago, uh, about how we were poised in Asia at the time to cover the biggest story of the year, which, of course, is going to be the handover of Hong Kong to China. Uh, That story that year turned out to be something completely different. Let's listen in. 
And and Lee, you were in Bangkok a day. Was it a day or two days after the, the handover? It was the next day, actually. It was July 2nd, 1997. So, um, you know, we were all caught a little bit unprepared. We had seen things kind of melting down rather quickly in Thailand, but the way when the the devaluation was announced and they used some obtuse phrasing, but when we realized what it was and we sent the first headline, you know, we were just like, wow, this is not the handover of Hong Kong. This is something big. And Sarah Patterson, our long-suffering producer, also has a favorite. It's when we interviewed a survivor of a Bosnian concentration camp and asked him not only about his resettlement in St. Louis, but what the election and some of the anti-immigration fervor meant to him. I I hope I I will not get misunderstood. Uh, There is a hate and... uh, mistreating and things like that, but a lot of people forget, not just in Missouri, in the United States of America, where is their heritage coming from? Maybe maybe they were not refugee, but they are immigrants like you are, and uh, color of the skin or heavily accent like mine is, doesn't mean anything. Uh, People try to hurt you. Maybe they don't even think why. Uh, uh, fortunately, here in the city of St. Louis, our picture is not bad. picture is pretty good, and uh, neighbors try to stick together, and uh, most of them appreciate what we did here in the past years. Having said all of that, is there a country you would have rather been resettled in? No. No. I didn't know anything about United States, and United States definitely look different now and 1993 when I come here. But uh, if I have to choose... People don't understand what we have here. People, we, this is the best country in the world. It's tough to top a moment like that. Scott, where should we go for future episodes? Yeah, I agree with you. It is. It was a very poignant moment. Good to leave it there. I mean, as far as the future, where, where can't we go? There, there are so many topics that we still haven't covered, even even though we we've done a hundred episodes. Uh, as you know, one topic that I often raise in our meetings is looking at German manufacturing and how that compares with the efforts to boost manufacturing in the United States. And I always get voted down at our meetings to pursue that one. So I'm really hoping that sometime in the next 100 episodes, we can look at that one. I think we should spend more time in Asia. The idea that a labor shortage in Japan is hurting service at restaurants in Tokyo, that's something our listeners would be interested in. Thanks to everyone who's worked on the episodes or contributed in some way that we didn't get to mention. So we'll mention them now. Magnus Henriksen, Liz Smith, Kate Smith, Michael Shane, 
Jed Sandberg, our colleagues around the world who've been on, all our guests, the staff of Bloomberg Radio 99.1 Washington for letting us use their booths, everyone who's contributed their time, our family, everybody who's reviewed the show, and especially those who've given us five stars. And if you have any ideas for the show, uh, or if you want to talk to us or send us an email, please get in touch with us. Uh, we give our Twitter handles at the end of every show. You can probably uh, look us up on other websites. We're, we're not really that hard to find. Please, we love hearing from you. We love getting comments. And keep it coming. <laughs>